Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. Marko Arnautovic looks set to become Manchester United's latest detainee. It's episode 273. Now, I'm not Chris, I'm also not Dave, and I'm also not Tony. They're all not here. Dr. Matt is also not here. So you're just left with me and George. George, how are you? I am very good, thank you, Tom. I am ready to give the world what it needs, which is two more white mid-twenties men talking about football on a podcast. I mean, yeah, if you're not a white man with a podcast, what are you doing, really? Uh, it's the best way for us to talk about Stoke City winning a game of football. Oh, my God. It's almost like we're in the same pattern we're always in where everything seems a bit nice until it inevitably isn't. But let's not worry about it being inevitably isn't. Stoke City chomped up the Tangerines 2-0 for the Mighty Hippos. Um, It was pretty good, wasn't it, George? It was very good. I think... I said at the end of it that for a squad that has a lot of young players and for a squad that has a lot of new players, I think that's probably about as good a performance as you can expect at this part of the season. Um, We looked really comfortable on the ball. We looked strong at the back despite a couple of shaky bits, but it always happens in the championship. Um, And we were really good value for the win. It's not what I expected and I'm quite scared. Like scared is always <laughs> the way that we are. Yeah, we um c- considering that Millwall was sort of eleven people having a very very bad day, uh, and everyone else watching that, it was a good reaction back to the Mark Hughes days of asking for a reaction, but this time we actually got one. Um, yeah, what stood out? I thought uh, the midfield especially was a nice little balance, and I'm not just saying that because Joe Allen wasn't part of it. But I thought finally we have uh, two very, very angry, very, very scary midfielders in Baker and Lauren who have like just the perfect amount of championship aggro. They were kicking everyone everywhere at the right moments. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm officially running with this title. Big Willie Smallbone um, was just just Excellent. just nice, nice bit of glaze over the top. What did you make of the midfield? Yeah, I think I, I know I've, I'm... I don't want to mention him, but I've got to. The fact that I would imagine that midfield three is probably on about the same wages as one nameless midfielder from last year is really quite a bad indictment of how we've been run for the past few years. I thought they were excellent. Um, In honesty, I didn't think our game plan was particularly different from Millwall. I just thought the two main improvements were the fact that the midfield was much more aggressive in second balls and the fact that when we tried to pass we actually did it and like you said big willie smallbone nothing you know he wasn't running through like Messi or anything but just when he played a pass it was accurate it was quick and it was where it needed to go and i have really really missed midfielders being able to do that yeah i think for the two goals especially and i don't know if this is me seeing it because I want this to be true or it actually is present, but he has those beautiful little touches just to sort of get everything going, a nice little flick um, in for the first goal. And then for the second one, I think we people have talked about how um, you sort of see him scan, see that Timon is there, but know that he, the way the ball's been played to him, he can't play it to Timon. So he just quickly, definitely leaves it for Baker who gets it across and then, 
yeah, we'll talk about Josh Tymon in a bit. Um, it's just nice to have someone who does that. I do think at times we've had players in the midfield, uh, Joe Allen especially, and I don't really mean this as a criticism of him, but he does make those first-time passes, but often in a way that doesn't keep the momentum flowing. And I thought Smallbone definitely did that. He got awarded Man of the Match for it, which was mm-hmm. interesting, to say the least. Um, but it was nice. It's nice to have a footballer who isn't, you know, it's nice to have an attacking midfielder. And I do think that that is something yeah. that massively uh, has hindered us at Millwall and in pre-season, just sort of Powell being out and then it taking so long for someone to come in um, is big. And hopefully yeah. he can sort of kick on and um, that's going to be a regular thing. I quite liked how we switched at times between a double pivot um, with... Um, Baker and Lauren sat behind Smallbone, but at times Smallbone dropped in to sort of form a three. It's nice to see that tactical fluidity, which we were promised with O'Neill, which I'd say we maybe haven't had so far. We've sort of always seemed to be struggling to actually implement the first idea, never mind do things on the cuff um, to, to deal with match situations. Um, so what was, I didn't, I didn't make it to the game. I had other things on in my life. Did you go? What was the vibe like? I've heard good things. It wasn't, it wasn't horrific. I've heard people being very happy. Yeah, I did go. And it was very surprising. I thought it, it very much helped that from the very start, we looked comfortable on the ball. Um, I think Blackpool helped us a lot with that. I was speaking to a friend of mine who's a Blackpool fan and they were just as surprised as me that Blackpool decided to sit off us for so long and be so passive in the game. I think that really helped Flint and Taylor, particularly with their passing. They were a lot more confident. They had a lot more time to pick where they wanted to put it. Uh, They had midfielders who were, you know, on form on the day to actually receive it as well. Um, There were a couple of murmurs around me before the first goal because we were playing it patiently around the back. And I mean, when we scored it, that shut up pretty quickly, to be fair. Um, I think had we not scored first, there's a chance it could have got a bit worse. But when we play that well, it's very difficult for people to get pissed off at anything, even Stoke fans. Even Stoke fans. And mm. I, I know exactly why Blackpool didn't press as high up the pitch. Uh, it's because I said they were going to in the preview pod. And I am that egotistical <laughs> that everything in the world exists just to spite me. So, yeah. I guess, uh, I guess that that hopefully, if if other championship teams listen to this, can you please just not press us just for like at least yeah. five more games, just like let everyone feel their way in. Um, I feel it's it's often, yeah. Suddenly our defenders aren't aren't that good at, at retaining their composure, and as soon as it's gone, it seems like it's at genie's out of the lamp. You can't get it back mm-hmm. in. It's a bit of a nightmare. So it's good to see that. Maybe we won't be this fortunate every time, but it's nice for us to have a bit of time to chill out uh, and yeah, just relax. So Flint surprised me with how good he was. Yeah, um, I think he, after the, the Millwall game, certainly stood out as someone who really wasn't going to take to that centre of the back three role and was really struggling. Obviously, we're not expecting someone to be Harry Suter and be playing big rangy balls through the middle of the pitch and you know, um, looking very much like a modern centre-back. But Flint was nice, tidy, and then, yeah, Taylor and, and Wilmot, especially, I think his passing um, at the start of the season, again, it was the same last season, is really strong when he's got confidence. Yeah. It's just when that goes. Um, but hopefully it doesn't this season. No, uh, and I think with Flint, I, he just did exactly what he was supposed to do. It was, I don't think he played a ball 
forwards, particularly. I mean, I'd be surprised if it was anywhere over, you know, three or four times. It was, you are here to be in the middle to organise people and to play it sideways and keep the ball ticking over from side to side. And he was really good at it. I mean, he had that missed chance and that is about the only thing I saw that he did wrong for me. It was a sitter. Tell you who didn't miss their sitter. Lovely, lovely Jacob Brown. Um, I, very Timo Puki of a goal uh, mm-hmm. to start it in the build-up and very unstoked striker to, to start a build-up and then to perfectly time you run into the box to a perfect cross and score. He is just the most lovely bloke on earth. Uh, and I think that yeah. photo that has already been potentially used to death by Stoke social media, we might see about a thousand times before the end of the season, him screaming down the camera with Baker screaming in his ear. Just, you know, just th- a perfect summary of where we are as a team. Whereas if we might not do that well this season, but I really like all of our squad. Like I don't dislike any of them. They all seem a nice bunch of lads. They all seem to like each other. And that's just a nice place to be. Yeah. I think we've said, we've said this for a couple of seasons now that the more of the Premier League set that we lose, the nicer our squad becomes. And yeah, there's no one in that squad that I would be angry at starting, to be honest. Uh, and I think Brown, just like the glow up Brown has had since he came in is this sort of raw, fast, hardworking player. And he's now adding cultured finishes with his left foot uh, from from uh, as a volley from across is amazing. And yeah. perhaps O'Neill hasn't done everything right in his Stoke tenure, but I think we can definitely say that you can highlight quite a few players in the team who he has drastically improved as footballers and have yeah. come on leaps and bounds. And with the financial fair play element and everything, that is something that is just essential. So that one definitely has to be a tick in O'Neill's box. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, Jacob Brown wasn't perfect yesterday, but that that run into the box, I think more even than the finish for me is something that he wasn't doing two years ago. And we'll talk about, I'm sure we'll talk about another player that O'Neill has massively improved in that time as well in a minute. But that, that I think has been a really good thing for me. And I look forward to what will happen when Tyrese Campbell starts to come properly back into the fold this season. What do you make of Brown wearing the number nine shirt? I've heard some people be like, he really suits it. I've heard some people be like, he really doesn't suit it. Where are you on Brownie number nine? So... He's a striker and a winger for me. Number nine is not right, but I think I love him so much that I'm just going to accept it. It's not like Glenn Johnson with number eight, where I hate it with every fibre of my being. So I'm I'm happy enough. Yeah, he's going to, I think he's going to just sort of, in the way that he plays, he's just going to force himself into the number nine shirt and that's mm-hmm. it. You're just going to have to get on board with it. Um, you hinted at it. You hinted at him. I have in our programme notes that we should talk about how good Liam McCarran is. Now, we've done this bit every single year and it has stopped all of the players from leaving, but it oh, does no. tend to give them a serious knee injury in November. So you know what? <laughs> there's no, there's, Leeds United aren't listening to this podcast and if they are, they need to think about what they're doing with their own lives. Josh Tymon... Is he the best wing back in the league? Yes. Yeah. Can we end the pod there? Yeah, done. Right, go home. <laughs> um, Tony yeah, will I be mean, happy. that the way that he played that first cross into Harry Clark, the pace and I, it's just perfect. It's just the absolutely perfect cross from that position. 
And then the decision when Jacob Brown is running in to not whip it with pace and to just sort of hoax it nicely into the position. He, yeah, it was just 10 out of 10 performance from him. He was brilliant defensively, even against one of the best sort of dribblers of the ball in the league in Josh Bowler. Um, yeah, I was really impressed. I think he is the reason we play with wingbacks amongst a few others. And when he's on form like that, fair enough. Yeah, he, he justifies it, doesn't he? I think mm-hmm. also you mentioned earlier that the Flint cross, if we can find a way to get timing into those positions, because nearly every single one of those crosses came from a very similar area just on the top of that box, not not drastically wide, sort of playing a flicked curling in cross. Mm-hmm. And they were just all absolutely delicious and perfect. The second one, for the, the, the second assist where... Baker plays a ball into him that I'm sure Baker will probably be quite disappointed with the ball he played into him. It was right behind him. He got it out of his feet and then just had the composure to wait and flick it on to to Brown. He's just great. And like you say, he dealt with Bowler. Bowler pretty much limited to to one big chance, which in fairness, he did manage to just dribble through about five players. And I think at times you have to put your hands up and say to an opposition team, yep, fair play. You are going to do that if you can do that and we can't stop you. Maybe that happening once a game isn't the worst thing. Um, Absolutely. I think Timon has made the most big chances in the league now. Small sample size, walk for warning. But yeah, with those three <laughs> chances, he has jumped to the top. Um, Just just an incredible footballer. Uh, yeah. I, and I think on the other side, whilst Clark had a very bad game against Millwall and, and great that he scored, the celebration... Uh, not for me. Yeah, I'm no, not. A, I'm a not a Sue cringe, celebration but... fan. I don't like Ronaldo, but I. I also no. think it's a very cringy, cringy celebration, especially if you join in on the Sue. But you know, you yeah. do you. Let's say, let's say we can celebrate goals however we want to, as within like the bounds of acceptable society. Um, because if it's a goal, it's a goal. And I'm never really yeah. going to complain about that. And lovely Jacob Brown ran over and hugged him before he could properly do the suey anyway. So it's all fine. Well in Jacob Brown. But yeah, I think Clark um, had uh, uh, scored, but maybe some questions still lingering over him. I do think definitely what he's added is um, a bit more of a mirror image on that right-hand side to Timon. So... I think they were both really good at trying to stretch the play nice and high, which was mm-hmm. absolutely what we didn't do against Millwall. And often at times is what we've struggled with, with Tommy Smith. I think we've all said he's a very good technical footballer, but physically and potentially sort of positionally, he's a bit more of a throwback to what you'd expect from a fullback of, of sort of the, the late noughties and early tens. Whereas we need a all action box to box. I will run forever. Um, option which maybe Clark is starting to add a little bit more uh, and that is exciting I guess yeah he's got I, time I thought he need. played exactly I thought he played really well and he's what is he 20 or 21 he's one yeah of he's two. only I think he's only like six months older than Taylor he is also exactly just a very young side of the team yeah and I thought he had a couple of moments where his passing wasn't on he has a couple of moments where I think his big improvement is he probably needs to learn when to challenge and when to drop off um, there were a couple of overcommittals, but again, it's you know, it's fine. It's the championship. There's a reason these players are here and not, you know, playing for Premier League sides straight away. Yeah, and I think the defense, all in all, I think we said how good they were in possession. Maybe because Blackpool letters, and on a whole, 
Blackpool really didn't create very much. Um, they had that chance where it, it was a bit of a deflected shot and it ended up getting put in for that header that they somehow didn't score, which, you know, people always say, oh, how has he not scored that header? My XG brain always says headers are much harder to score than everyone expects them to be. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, weirdly, the defence haven't really given up very much outside of set pieces so far this season. Uh, is that a good thing? I guess it is. Or are we just being too generous? No, I I think so. I think there was a spell in the second half as well where they were coming on a little bit and you could feel a couple of people in the stadium were sort of, you know, oh no, here we go. It's Stoke again. But again, even in that time, like you said, we let in one effort from Bowler and that was him dribbling past five people. I... I'm pretty impressed so far with how we've defended. The big worry for me from Millwall was always the way that we defended the set pieces. And yesterday we were miles better at that. So I'm, you know, I have got nothing to complain about at this point. Yeah, it's nice. And we do have nothing to complain about, which I guess maybe leads us to a bit of a bigger question of people were quite angry during pre-season. People were quite angry after the Millwall game. Now, my uh, controversial contrarian hat wants to sit here and say, do we get to tell them they were all wrong? Now, I feel, having said that out loud already, that that's just going to come back to bite us. So let's be calm and level-headed and change it to, are we perhaps now looking at a situation where we should all just take a step back and go, yeah, we have just started the season. We're going to have good games. We're going to have bad games. How long do we need to give it before we can start really making calls on uh, O'Neill's safety in the job, how well he's doing, what the season's going to hold for us? I think we're in the beneficial position that we know full well. In all likelihood, O'Neill is not leaving this season. And even if we are really appalling, he's not leaving before the World Cup. Um, in terms of how we play, I think the next maybe 10 games or so is what we what we need to start looking at. Um, again, I, we're not going to do what we did yesterday every week. Um, we could very easily go to Huddersfield and be appalling again, and that's fine. The best teams in the championship, even the ones with parachute payments, are appalling sometimes. I'm quite glad we're being a, we've done the Millwall thing now rather than in April and people would be properly shitting themselves. But yeah, for me, I think as long as we have the odd performance like this week or, you know, 50% of the time we're looking like a strong side passing the football, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, I think that, yeah, the Millwall point's a really good one. You want to get done by Millwall before anything matters. You just want to sort of get that game, which you know is going to be horrific, over and done with. Um, before it can derail anything. Like you say, we've got Huddersfield next, who have been horrific. So I look forward to their 1-0 win um, because, <laughs> you know, Stoke are going Guaranteed. Stoke. Before Millwall, we have got the Shrimpers, the, the Morecams, uh, some more Lancastrian coast vibes for the pod. Um, what, what are we making of that? Are you just sending out all the new people who haven't really played yet? Probably, yeah. I mean, that will be a game of football that in all likelihood will happen on the day that it's happening. I think that's the best I can say of that. I have it's it's a chance to look at people like McCarran and 
you know, kill Kenny, I'd imagine. You bastards. Um, yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? I, I, I wasn't there, but Clive Clark on the commentary was very, very angry that Sam Clucas came on as opposed to uh, Kilkenny, um, which I was a bit like, okay, yeah, I get it. Kilkenny's a new player, give him a bit of time in the championship, but why are you so angry about it? But yeah, it will be exciting to see some of those players coming through. One player we won't see coming through is Liam Delap because... <gasps> Despite being guaranteed to sign on Friday, he <laughs> hasn't signed yet because uh, the the wind was probably in the wrong direction or something. Yep. The bushes didn't rustle enough. So, yeah, Matt Clark might turn up at, at, at some point, which would be nice purely on the basis that we would then have to have players with their first initial on their back of the shirt, which I think Absolutely is a very nice um, yep. aesthetic and something we should do. I'd also be much more happy with Matt Clark turning up. I think that's probably a position we could do with someone signing a left centre-back. Definitely. I think you'd imagine that at the minute, our backup left centre-back is Fox. Probably. Yeah. And Wilmot's and had, not I comfortable mean, there. No, as much as I love Wilmot. And I, I think that'll be a very interesting battle this season between Wilmot and Taylor for right centre-back. Yeah, he's not, he's not happy there, is he, on the left? <laughs> Yeah, oh, you sort of see him occasionally get to a position where he's like, oh, I've turned onto my right foot and I have time to do this. Yay. <laughs> but other times it's just like, oh, fuck's sake, I have to pass this with my left foot again, help. Um, yeah, it should be nice. Yeah, so so that is probably a lesson for us all that uh, we should be patient, especially when the yeah. manager comes out in, conference, uh, in, in press conferences and says, be patient. Perhaps don't respond under that, exact tweet with something like so when are we signing Delap? because it does suggest that your comprehension skills need a bit of work well I mean the thing is Liam Delap clearly was very ready to sign the day before Blackpool so that we could start him on the bench um, so I'm not surprised that people are annoyed because there's absolutely no way that the people who said he was going to sign didn't actually know whether he was going to sign <laughs> Oh dear. But, 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 but he wasn't on the bench for Man City today and he wasn't oh involved God, with it. the under 23s when they played, which might have also been today. I can't believe it. Get He's finally chance. going to Getafe. <laughs> <laughs> Do we even need Liam Delap? No, but I'd like him, I think is my go to answer. He, he He's very well spoken of and, you know. I, it would be nice to have another striker so we don't have to put Powell there when someone inevitably gets injured, I yeah. think. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to see what will happen with young DiMaggio if we do bring mm. in another striker, which seems like something we do want to do. Maybe he needs a loan, I don't know. I quite like him. He could play the number 10 role as well. We might just have yeah. lots of players because inevitably most of them are going to get injured. That is how the championship works. Exactly, yeah. And it's... Like I said in the, I think I said it in one of the first pods of preseason. It's it's really nice to be bringing players into a squad and going, oh, will that mean we'll have, you know, a cup, a good amount of squad depth rather than, oh my god, another one. Yeah, exactly. It would be with nice. the thousands of backups on the bench. So, so yeah, Stoke have mm. finally got a win on the board. So that's the football over and done with, which. And I think I've done this podcast to remember enough times what comes next. I think we now need to feed the hippos. Now, they had a little snack on some tangerines at the weekend. I can't remember who got fed to them last time. 
can't remember. Was was last time the time when Dr. Matt said Thomas Party? I think it was the time when Dr. Matt said Thomas Party, which, you know, yeah, yeah probably should. Enough. Yeah. Couldn't beat that. No, yeah. Um, so yeah, so so any thoughts this time? Because of that, I mean, very drastic and obvious answer, I was going to put the entirety of the Millwall fan base in. Um for still booing the knee. I mean, I can't believe how aggressively loudly they booed it um yeah at Millwall but you know that's old news I mean racism is still bad even though it happened last week so do you have anything else we could feed to the hippos yeah I I think I I reckon from this point on the the Millwall fans are going to one by one just be a light snack for the Mm -hmm. hippos over the season instead of the ceremonial chomping like some dry Um, Millwall fan just sprinkle it on top of stuff Exactly. Kind of, you know, like a, like a Parmesan on top, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, I would like to offer up uh, the person who sits a few rows in front of me who spent 20 minutes giving Clark some pretty aggressive abuse and then cheered immediately when he scored <laughs> and went, fucking hell, what a player, I knew it. I think really? that's going to go fucking in Fucking hell, yeah. what a player, I knew it. Oh, yeah. oh no, because we've already Great. put in, we've already put into the hippo tank from last season the the metaphorical person who sits behind you oh very good point actually yeah he's probably already been <laughs> but no in fairness we could put someone who sits in front of you in the in the hippo tank um who okay. would i suggest for the hippo tank feeding i mean i do really 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 want to put anyone involved in the marco arnautovic to man united transfer including marco as much as i adore him just please don't do that and if you are kicking off to go to united marco you know why? Just why? No. Uh, have you? What is wrong with the lovely Bologna? Yeah, what in Bologna? I'm sure you eat some really good uh, cured meats. Uh, and at Man United, your fans would be fighting each other before even half of a game of the season is done. Um. So yeah, Marco, come on, have a think about it. So oh no, yeah, perfect. What an opportunity we can put his brother in because there yeah, there's there's someone who really should be fed. To the hippos. Is it something we've been waiting for for Daniel Arnovich? Five years. Daniel, that sounds Daniel, that sounds about right. Yeah. J somewhere in there. Yeah. So they're on their way to an undisclosed location. The hippo drones are going to pick him up and we are going to finally get revenge for his brother being a bit of a dick. Um, Perfect. So that's it. The hippos Perfect. are fed. We've talked about Stoke. I feel like I'm doing all my caretaker duties right. Maybe mm-hmm. if I keep up with this, the board will give me like the rest of the season until we find another one. Or maybe we, we are actually just appointing a new uh, podcast host, which would be the much better idea. We don't want no Ole Gunnar Solskjaer situations. So now, I mean, that's it, really. Do you have anything else Stoke-related that you would like to talk about or not Stoke-related? hundreds back on we could talk about cricket that's always something that goes down well on this podcast the hundred has been very good i was worried after the first game that it would be a little bit shit and then the last few days have been really good i'm very glad the cricket's on as well Mm. i do like football but when stoke is shit it's very nice to be able to watch a different sport do stuff all the mccoy's do stuff up the up the skips up the skips so yeah i guess that's yeah. it we've we've successfully made it through the podcast nothing is on fire yet uh there is a concerning noise coming from behind me i think it might be a hippo who knows 
So um, with that, I don't really know what else to do. I have no idea how to end these things without just like suddenly stopping. Um, so yeah, more come in the week. Huddersfield at the weekend. We'll try and do something in between then, I guess. So yeah. um, thanks very much for making it through this with me, George. You are very welcome. We have pissed off, I imagine, far fewer people than I first thought. No, but we have still pissed off at least a few people, which is Excellent. always the aim of the podcast. Um, so thank you, dear listener. Um, I guess all that's left for me to do is to say, go on Stoke. <laughs>